اعوذ بالله من الشيطان اللعين الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم دبيو السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome to session number three of Passionate Pages where we're going through the wondrous book of How to Pray Good Prayer by His Eminence Sheikh Aga Ali Raza Panahian uh, A session that I'm quite looking forward to to be honest It's going to take the discussion in a few different uh, angles than what we've seen thus far uh, and start to go towards, rather than it just being about ourselves, rather now looking back at the most critical factor, which is the greatness and the grandeur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, as you all know by now, but just in case you don't, you can join us, and we'd love for you to join us. We've had some really interesting uh, submissions that have created discussion, reflection, and also some aha moments, um, and we've managed to see them for those who are on YouTube and using the live chat. And my dear brother, Father Muhammad Jawad, will be the one reading this out. Muhammad Jawad, salam alaikum. Alaikum salam. A proper lockdown special, this one is. This is a lockdown special. Yeah, we should address the elephant in the room. We are being COVID compliant (laughs) today. Uh, COVID is in the air. Um, Mm. So we thought um, just, uh, yeah, due to some uh, personal reasons that we thought on this occasion would uh, adhere to the guidelines. Um, And inshallah, we pray for those uh, who are affected to get better soon inshallah but we continue alhamdulillah thanks to our dearest tech team uh back in the studio uh that they've managed to get this up and running for us so we don't miss out on this session um Muhammad, i just thought did you have any reflection reflections just before we get into it from the previous week anything i know you said last time you tried something so i'm putting you on the spot here yeah in case you didn't try something i think uh when we talked about checking your prayer if something's going wrong and checking your prayer if you're troubled and you keep not having received the effect of the prayer after you've done it, checking your prayer, even when you're happy, you're checking your prayer at various points. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried applying that this week and it worked to mixed effect, to be very honest. And I think mm-hmm. it's very, it's very, um, it's a very tricky thing to, to grasp, especially because of the various um, stresses and whatnot that you go through in life, when you come back and you try checking in with your prayer and checking with Allah, it's very difficult to separate what's just happened with your conversation with Allah. So having that consciousness and thinking about your prayer and putting it in that mindset before you pray helped me for the majority of the part. But it is a work in progress. So It's uh, it's tough to disconnect, right? It really is when, when when you're in the thick of it to just be able to like snap out and focus fully it is tricky and i think that's part of the journey and that's something that we're going to see um today i thought maybe i'll just give a quick summary as to what we did in session one and session two maybe there's some who are who are joining us for the first time so just to give you uh viewers just a quick rundown as to where we've got to so at the moment we're kind of halfway through and inshallah we'll conclude on chapter two today uh we'll get maybe we'll get close to concluding chapter two um so what we covered we started by saying look in life we want to be buoyant. We want to be excited in order to live life correctly, to have that energy um, in order to in order to uh, do that and therefore be able to see correctly and make good decisions in our life. We need to have this energy about us. Right. And to and to have that energy, prayer is a massive source for us in order to be able to do that. And through praying, we then receive this divine guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which revives the vitality of our spirit it gives us this guidance to clarify challenges that we may be going through and that's why in that first session we called it that prayer is our mentor it's our new mentor that we've now founded now in order to get some of these benefits we need to try and understand uh, how do we create this good prayer so what are the effects of a good prayer And we said some of them included reducing the deficiencies in our lives, regulating our souls, reforming our worldly affairs. And it helps us attain these spiritual heights that many of us look to and try to achieve. And then the challenge becomes, which we discussed last week, how do we actually go and achieve these results? Everyone wants them, right? Everyone looks towards prayer saying, oh, I'm expecting to be buzzing. I'm expecting to have, you know, everything of all of my materialistic and uh, my dunya we and akhra needs sorted but it does come with a certain type of prayer and last week we spoke about the prayer can't be lethargic right it needs to be beautiful it needs to be it is a leading indicator for all of our other a'mal for everything else that we're doing as well so if our prayer is going a bit rotten 
then everything else that we're doing is probably a bit rotten as well. And then we beg the question, well, what kind of prayer is a good prayer in that case? How do we actually ascertain whether I'm doing a good prayer? And many of us immediately look towards the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the nearest ones that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, ah, Amir al-Mu'mineen, Imam al-Sajjad alayhim wa afdul as-salati wa salam, both of these and, you know, the rest of the Ahl al-Bayt alayhim salam, they'd be trembling in tears, turning pale. And look at my prayer, right? I'm not turning pale. I'm not like this. So therefore I must be failing. And it's like, well, hold on a second. That is the peak of the peak. And you need to start a journey to reach that peak, right? So what looks like a good prayer to them is going to look like a very, what a good prayer to them is going to look very differently to how a good prayer is going to look like to you initially. And inshallah, we can journey towards getting to that stage, but we may never reach it. This love of Allah and fear of Allah is not going to come overnight. It takes time. So we conclude and say, look, don't compare yourself to the awliya of Allah because it's just going to put you down. And shaitan is going to encourage you away from prayer rather than being inspired towards it. So we need to start from somewhere realistic and try and keep up this excitement for prayer and this conviction that we want to pray. Now, that's where today comes into, which is, well, in order to do that, how do we actually go about doing that? Because as Muhammad Jawad said, it is a bit tricky to kind of leave work leave the family for a second, leave the noise of the day-to-day and to tap into this very intimate connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And we, uh, we shared a poll um, where we had some interesting results and Muhammad, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm going to give you the live results as well at the same time as I give everyone else. So al- alhamdulillah, we had... Yeah, it is exciting. Oh, we had, I'm um, just, <laughs> I'm having, okay, 143 responses. So it's not huge. It's not like no. thousands across the world. It's a sample size, right? So out of those 143, what percentage do you think went through a phase where they stopped praying, be that partially or completely? And we're asking this question in the vein of, look, I'm trying to pray. I get it's meant to be good for me but it's just a bit difficult to keep on going. So 143 people responded. What percentage, Muhammad, do you think stopped praying, be that partially or completely? I don't know whether number 32 pops up into my head all of a sudden. The 32 you think stopped at some point in their life, 32%. Yeah. 52%. More than half. I had, a sim- I had a similar, like, really? What, what's your initial, like, reaction to that? I think your face says it, says it so all So 52% stopped praying for a while. Yes. I think in this day and age, especially with a lot of um, cognitive dissonance and a lot of people having their entire ideology challenged and their way of life and their worldview being battered from pillar to post it it gives you and everyone around you a a very weird perspective of life and i feel that it affects everyone not just um not just muslims and obviously when it comes to your your day-to-day living Mm -hmm. there is a high there's probably a higher than expected um probability of you somehow detaching from prayer at some level because of Mm. that disconnect that you may feel very temporarily Mm -hmm. it's having having processed the information right now and having seen people's views on social media and even in you know day-to-day life it's 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 making it a bit less shocking, but shocking nonetheless, because uh, that's 52% of people you're talking about. That's g- given, one given in two. it's like a, 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 key, a key tenant of our faith. Right? Yeah. It's, it's the one thing that we need in order to enter Jannah, as we discussed in episode one. Right. It's the Yeah. It's, I, I just wonder why, because that would be the more important question, I feel. For sure. For sure. And I, I really hope, inshallah, we'll, we, over, over the next few weeks, 
Um, Alhamdulillah, some of the respondents did leave a bit of like an open-ended response as to why and what's kept them in or what's taken them away or what brought them back, et cetera. And some of the responses there are really quite interesting. Um, but I'm going to turn this objectively, right? Because we're not here to go, ah, oh, 50% of you, astaghfirullah, this is the worst thing in the world. We're here to say we're all struggling, right? We're all it could be one of me book. or you. Exactly. Exactly. 52, exactly. so that's one in two people. Exactly, right? Yeah. And uh, I think to see it objectively, what I would like us as, as, as an audience to Allah's book and guidance, which is inspired by the Ahlul Bayt and therefore by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is look, we're all out here trying. We're all out here doing our best. We're all out here facing very similar challenges in different parts of the world. And together, we will find a way to improve, right? We're not alone. If you, as one of the viewers, feel that maybe salah is not critical to your life or is, is, is maybe something that you're not performing at the moment, Allah is merciful. He wants to see a change. He wants to see you try. And that, inshallah, as a group, we can all have some comfort maybe in realizing it's not just us, it's not just me alone, and we can go through this together and we can improve together. So I just wanted to start with that statistic and maybe we'll come to some of the others uh, a bit later, but we'll crack on into uh, where we left off from last week. So we were talking about what kind of prayer is a good prayer and we were saying, let's correct how we go about looking at prayer, right? And we went through a few points uh, and we ended up here in this concept that it's not always meant to be this loving affair initially it is meant to be a bit tricky it's meant to leave you a little bit disgruntled right you're not meant to all of a sudden when you're mid lunch or mid dinner or mid watching a football match or mid work or whatever be so happy that something's come to interrupt you but you do want to try and step back and go there is something greater that is asking me to reprioritize at this given moment and Emirul Mu'mineen in Najibalava is reported to say hearts are imbued with the power to advance and retreat. It's natural that our hearts at some point are going to be ascending to great heights and also descending and we need to control that. And sometimes look, we're going to be in the mood for worship and other times we're not. And that's the challenge. That is the very core of the challenge that we somehow need to hold on and say, I'm going to continue with these prayers of mine, even when it gets tricky. I'm going to dig deep, injury time like a football player, and I'm going to try and grind out the result. I'm going to try and get up, do my wavo, get to that prayer mat. And even if it's not the perfect prayer, I've gone out of my way to, dis I've, I've tried to go and disrupt my day, disrupt what I'm doing to remember that this is compulsory, right? But note this subtle point. Sheikh then comes forward and says, look, remember, it's not compulsory for you to get there and to weep your eyes out, and to be trembling. Otherwise, prayer would be dictated on us only when we're in the mood. I find this point really interesting. It's not designed for us to be absolutely trembling in the perfect state of mind. Otherwise, the condition would be pray when you feel you're at your peak. Rather, it's pray even when it's inconvenient for you to pray, because that builds something especially when it's tricky and therefore don't pursue the enjoyment of prayer is what he then comes on to if you're trying to take your mindset and going prayer is meant to be this love affair from day one don't go and pursue that because you're going to be let down very quickly and some of the responses that uh the the respondents shared was that yeah i didn't see this buzz i didn't see this excitement and this is the concept that it's meant to be a struggle. And with struggle comes value, comes the feast, comes the banquet, right? But the struggle needs to come first. It can't be the Amazon one click and the book comes to you the next morning or even the same day, right? It's not this instant gratification time. It is this challenge that you're meant to battle your own will and desires. It's meant to be, it is repetitive, it's designed to be repetitive, therefore something that is repetitive is inherently not enjoyable. 
what? what? These are things I've never heard of. It's, it's incredible. He's, he's, he's really just coming forward and just stating what I think a lot of us have in the back of our heads, especially when we're younger, even now. It's repetitive. It's not that enjoyable. But God wants us to grow from this repetitive action. He wants us to pay attention to it, to keep it sacred, because behind it, once you've committed to it, then you'll start to see the value of it. So if we start with the mindset of, oh, I must enjoy it from the start, I need to be absolutely happy and really want to do it, we won't grow because we need to struggle first in order to grow. It's not a, hey, Allah, give me this and it happens. We need to go through it, struggle, and then we'll start to grow. And it makes us grow at that point where we don't enjoy it, where we are making those prioritization decisions. And he uses this term, and I love it, and he says, by like by kind of having that decision and by engaging with it it starts to remove the dirt from our soul and i'm just going to touch on this for a little bit and this isn't in the book this is a personal reflection that i'll share with you just to maybe illustrate this right we we've got our we've got our soul and it started off perfect pure beautiful right completely in awe of even like a baby when it looks at a tree it's just like mesmerized look at this creation it doesn't even know but it's just mesmerized right and over time, it's been this soul has had layers of ghafla, of needlessness, of negligence covering it, right? Every sin that we commit, everything that we do that takes us away from Allah covers this soul with another layer, another layer, another layer, and another layer. And therefore, when this light is meant to reach us perfectly, it no longer penetrates perfectly. It has to go through these layers. And in order to get rid of these layers so that we receive this light so perfectly and we're as inspired and as excited as a baby is about life, we need to dig away that dirt. We need to dig away that needfulness, that, that negligence that we've had. Sorry. And to do that, we need to go through a struggle. It's meant to hurt. And this prayer forces us. I'm going to prioritize. Last time when I committed that sin, I prioritized my soul. I mean, I prioritized my desires over my Lord. But now I'm prioritizing my Lord over my desires. Therefore, one layer less, one layer less, one layer less. And the more I go through that journey of that difficulty, the more that when Allah shines that light back to me, I'm going to receive it in its fullest and feel that radiance and feel that excitement and that buoyancy and that spiritual energy. So that's just something that I thought when we see it that way, it can sometimes give a bit of an illustrative example. Hamidra, do you have anything to, to share at that point or anything that people are sharing online with us? At the moment, nothing online, but uh, just a very small thing to add in terms of what you've just eloquently just put there in that with persistence and with more practice, you get to then build a bit more of a deeper connection, mm -hmm. I feel. Because the more you do it, the more you stop feeling like it's a chore because it then becomes routine and everyone supposedly likes routine. I don't have a routine right now, but everyone I know who's on a routine is like, oh, it's great. I know exactly mm. what's happening next. But I think if you build that into your routine and if you keep going at it, it firstly builds your discipline. It also gives you uh, a deeper connection because you're Absolutely. trying and succeeding to finish that objective to pray that namaz at that Absolutely. given time so Absolutely. if you keep doing it it'll be easier just like everything else in life you know that ten thousand hours um parallel or analogy comes to comes to light here because the more things the more you do it the more you're likely to do it again 100 percent and, and I've actually put it in a very interesting way where he says when you're making those decisions to get up and pray straight away, you're making those prioritizations, you're becoming a real human being. And I thought that was that was a killer line when he Oof. says that. Yeah. yeah. You're like, wow, you know, what? it's so true when it's so easy to go. Oh, it's so difficult. You know, oh, I'll just do it. Like, oh, this. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of it as anyone. Right. Fudger time. It is tough. You know, and you're, I'm fully at points relying on my wife. I'd be like, you need to go pray. Oh, yeah, let's go pray, right? But when you get that blanket off, you've made a decision. You've taken a step to becoming a true, a real human being, not just another average, I'm going to put my own desires before I put 
the greatness of my Lord. And that is the differentiation, right? Um, so it's meant to prod us. We need to tolerate it so that we can grow. And sometimes we're thinking, oh, I'm not in the mood right now. And it comes back to that point we said last week, since when were you friends with God where you can decide the terms? God decides the terms, not you. And that makes us feel uncomfortable because we don't live, as you said, the worldview that we live in today doesn't acknowledge or appreciate or even enjoy a higher authority. We prefer equality everywhere. So when we talk yeah. about this higher entity, that's like, hey, I'm the creator and here's some rules that you need to follow. We're like, no, 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 no. I, I am me and I do me. It's <laughs> <Okay>. dangerous. Yeah. Mm, I'm in control. Exactly. Yes, mm. exactly. That's exactly it. So um, we've spoken a lot about that it helps us grow through training ourselves. It is meant to be tricky. Um, if we take the approach that it's about love and love only, which is, uh, uh, and look, it's it's not that it's not about love. And I think this is an important point that Aha mentions in the book. He actually has like these little conversations that he has with um, maybe some of his congregation or, or, or people that he's spoken with. And he, he's like, uh, he cites that most of the time people refer to Aha's uh, works where he's talking about God's love, his mercy, his compassion. That's why, you know, many people find him very appealing in the way that he talks. So in this conversation outbreak, they're like, oh, but Sheikh, you always talk about love and now you're talking about it like meant to be difficult and, you know, it's not just about love, there's more to it. And he's like, yeah, there is, in order to get this love, you need to go through this journey, right? You need to struggle a bit. You need to recognize mm. that. But most critically here, if we take the approach that it's just about love, it won't inspire any change in our behavior. And this is a very mm. important point that we notice with our brethren in the Christian faith, where the belief is that Jesus has given his life as a means for them to be forgiven. And we hear it amongst our, our Christian brethren, right? Where some of them will say, you know, yeah, I shouldn't be doing that, but my, my get out of jail free card is that Jesus has got me sorted. So no problem, right? And equally, some people live in this life of, oh, God's going to forgive me. God's going to forgive me. I mean, yes, God is merciful, but he's also just. And if you're only faced with a merciful Lord, or if you're only faced with someone like Jesus in the eyes of the Christian faith, i.e. you've got to get out of jail free card, you're not going to change. You're not going to reach your potential. You're not going to progress as a human. You're not going to become a real human being. And critically, if our prayer isn't keeping us away from indecency and evil, as is mentioned in Surah Al-Ankabut, it's not doing its job. If it's not disciplining us, helping us towards discipline. So the more our prayer keeps us away from evil, the better the prayer. And that's a way to measure it up, right? First and foremost, it's about us getting disciplined. And then we'll start to see the benefits from it. Um, I think, uh, yes, we're here. So... Imam Sadr Ali then has this hadith, um, which I think many of us usually hear uh, around our Eid time, actually, when we think we've done 30 days of fasting, we've absolutely nailed it, and we're due this amazing celebration of our Eid al-Fitr, and then all of a sudden we hear that it's not about fasting 30 days, because we hear this hadith from Imam Sadr, where it's reported to say, whoever wishes to know if his prayer has become accepted or not, should see if his prayer has prevented him from indecency and evil. So his prayer has been accepted as much as it prevents him from evil, right? And it's this whole philosophy that your prayer is accepted if between prayer X and prayer X minus one, if you haven't committed a sin there, then it was a good prayer probably because it kept you disciplined and kept you uh, on the straight and narrow. But dear and sisters, as we're discussing this, please jump onto YouTube in the live chats. There is uh, the chat box there. And we'd love to hear yeah. some of your reflections. Thanks for the greetings. But uh if you have any questions or points to reflect on or things to build upon after what we've just talked about and after what Sadiq has just uh, orated what Sheikh has said, then please feel we free share. to... Have you had difficulties building that momentum yourselves? How have you found overcoming that? If you have, if you haven't, what's going um, through your mind in terms of your next steps etc it's it's all mm -hmm. part of the process i think the more we share the more we realize it's not just me finding this difficult it's meant to be difficult um it's meant to be a struggle and the more we can share it and the more we can learn from each other's techniques the better um so 
still staying on this theme of uh, for now not pursuing the enjoyment of prayer, rather getting into the discipline of it because it helps us correct if we are committing any sins. There is a line that other than shares, and I think this may rattle a few feathers, right? It may not sit very comfortably with everyone, but let's think about it before we jump to any conclusions. She says that when someone gives up their prayer, so when someone is like, you know what, I'm not going to bother anymore. Dhuhr Asr, yeah, it's too tough. Maghrib Isha, too tough. Fajr, no point. How much enjoyment do you think they actually find in not praying? So what is the value that is created for them by not praying? What is the gap that's now filled? What do they do with that? And this is something that I think if we think about is very, very interesting because it's when you try and do a bit of a relative, you know, comparison, we have something that arguably could take you to Allah, not arguably, but definitely can has the potential of taking you to Allah and transforming your life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, versus 10 minutes, of what? What what replaced it, right? The rest of the match. But then what about the rest of the evening? You had a time window to do it. So that's just one thing that he puts there. He's like, look, what is the actual value that you got by not praying? Secondly, he talks about this point, which is when you made that decision not to pray, what was actually behind that decision? Other than wanting to disrespect or defy your Lord. So your Lord, your creator has commanded you, pray at these times. When you decide not to, yes, you may have prioritized something else, but by doing so, you have defied and disrespected your creator. Which is why the Holy Prophet comes forward and says, the reporters say, Man Whoever stops praying on purpose has become an unbeliever. Because by nature, you've defied and gone against your Lord. Your, God, your Lord has given you a commandment, very clear. You've received that light. You know it's obligatory. And you've defied it. So therefore, you do not believe whatever, whatever that thing that was uh, therefore, your priority instead of your prayer for that entire window until it became late or kabar, you've taken that above your Lord. So you've defied or disrespected your Lord. So what is the actual value that you experience by not praying that felt greater than your Lord? And I think that's an exercise for us, some of us do, not just throughout to go, oh, I'm being called a car. No, let's just hold on. What is that thing that we actually prioritize? And when we think about this logically and rationally, does it make sense to prioritize something like, I don't know, the evening I had with my friends or my sleep or whatever it is, my work, for the sake of my creator? What is bigger? And that can sometimes shake us a little bit when we think about it uh, that way. Um, It's designed to make us feel disgruntled but it's also then designed to force us to come forward and ignore everything else that we're doing and recognize that whatever it was that I was doing, Allahu Akbar. God is greater than that. If it's work, if it's my family, God is greater than that. If it's my life, to some degree, God is greater than that. And that is a relative game that I think we need to play a little bit more often in our heads when we're coming forward and thinking, yeah, you know what, maybe I will prioritize something else above God. It's about consenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's about saying yes to Allah. It's about obeying his commands. And it's incredible when we see it in the following way that we're able to put our heads on the floor and say, you know what, Allah, you wanted to see me with all this dust all over my face. You wanted to see how much I love you. You want to see that even I'll put my face on the ground and put the most important body part on the on uh, even below the most useless body part of mine in front of whom do i prostrate except for you look at this greatness that i'm trying to acknowledge of my lord and i'll always fail in doing so and we're showing that we're obeying fearfully whilst we're praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. so it comes back to this obedience to our lord rather than immediately saying 
it's for me. And I think we concluded last week, Muhammad Jawad, with the concept of is our prayer God centric or is it me centric? Am I trying to find the me and the value for me first? Or am I trying to firstly recognize the greatness of my Lord and to be subservient to him? Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on on that concept of the God-centric and self-centric prayer and this point of, you know, let me compare what I'm leaving behind uh, instead of my Lord. Yeah, I think uh, we touched on it last week in terms of using prayer as your mentor, but then when you go up to the Musallah, you sort of, the initial reaction before you interjected was, um, oh yeah, this is my problem. But then you said something incredible that I believe Sheikh said in his book that is that Allahu Akbar, God is greatest. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman All these qualities that place Allah in his rightful position as above all and as the creator of all. And it basically pales everything into insignificance. Yeah. Your problems, your your opponents, your friends, yourself, yourself being the biggest yourself. thing that yeah. needs to be paled into insignificance. And Allah is just there asking you to remind yourself about this five times a day. So there's a lot of God centricity, as you've said, and as Sheikh has said, within each prayer. And mm-hmm. so you ought to come out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. personally yet. <laughs> But you, you ought to come out of it thinking. Got to try. Yeah, I ain't all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Humble, yeah. humble. You know. Definitely. And I think that's. I was actually having a conversation with with my colleague today when he was again he just got into conversation. I actually by accident speed dialed him at Fajr time, uh, which was a bit oh, weird. Wow. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, was like, baby, baby, keeping you up. Baby you issues. Yeah, I was like, no, this this was just fully me, like switching off my alarms and hitting it by accident. Like, oh man. So we had this conversation and he was like, wow, I didn't actually realize, you know, you guys pray in the morning and whatever, whatever. And I think mm-hmm. some people would describe it as almost feeling a bit militant, right? This, yeah. oh, five times a day, you know, five prayers you need to do per day at specific times. This is quite militant. It's this concept of I consent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything is irrelevant, but you, you are the, the central point. And I deliberately use this word militant because Sheikh goes on this analogy that I loved, actually, and I never thought about it this way. And he compares it to the military. And he doesn't hide from it. And I think this is one the viewers just to pay attention to, right? So he says, look, in the military, they're commanded to do A, B, and C, right? Go and run like this. Go do 100 push-ups. Go, I can do about six. Uh, I won't survive very long in that army. So, you know, go do 100 push-ups. You know, go run 30K, carry this bag, um, sleep, and then you get up at 2 a.m. and get up at 3 a.m. It's rigorous, right? It's completely militant by definition right and that's done by their commander and when in front of their commander they're told stand up straight salute like this or salute like this or whatever make sure your uniform is in this way everything has to be impeccable everything has to be in perfect order whenever you're present in front of this commander even though he's just a human this respect for your commander is second to none right no matter what military you look at across the world and it's not we don't see that in the office place and if you do i'd advise you change job because it's a bit weird call hr um, now yeah call, call hr asap exactly <laughs> exactly right so he goes why is it in the military then do you see this absolute respect and pristine obedience to the commandments of the lieutenant or of the commander he goes well look soldiers are given life and death commands by their commander their commander at some point in their military career, potentially is going to say, look, tough decision. The enemy's coming from that side. I need you to run. And you may die. And they need this immediate obedience. There's no time for like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. They've been developing this whole mindset during their military training from whatever age they joined that you obey your commander. You're like this with your commander. You are astute and you're ready. So that the moment the commander says, hey, it's time, go and run that way. You're by yourself. You could die. There's no wavering. It's straight up obedience. They should fear their commander. Follow directly, no questions asked. And the strict following of these commands internalizes this notion that the commander 
is great. That the commander has a status and therefore should be followed. So you see all this discipline throughout that person's career in the military. Trying, 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 being told it's not good enough, not good enough. And they keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, waiting for this point to recognize that this commander is great and needs to be followed. And in any moment that they then face, in any tricky moment, they follow their commander. And I find this mindset incredible that we're training in our prayer, right? Obey, 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 such that when I finish that prayer, and for example, I work in, in our offices in Soho, right? Soho is known in London to be not the best area by any means, unfortunately. So as soon as you finish that prayer and you leave the office, now you may be seeing things that you shouldn't be seeing, but because you've had this mindset of discipline, 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 when you see that first attack, when you see that first attack on your soul that you shouldn't engage with, they're like, no problem. The commandment of my Lord that I've been working towards is greater. No issues. I'll fight it back. Oh, there's another one. No problem. And we know, you know, when you're getting, and I was discussing this with my, with my wife the other day, even just getting the tube nowadays, the train to work, it's not just the people on the street that you're seeing. It's the billboards, right? And it's not just the billboards advertising wrong things. It's the billboards advertising phones or advertising, uh, you know, anything nowadays that unfortunately has things that we shouldn't be seeing and engaging with. And you have to fight, 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 fight. That fight is only possible if you've been disciplining yourself over and over and over again in the ta'ah, in the obedience of your Lord. And this is, again, it changes the way we look at prayer. It's not meant to be this, ah, oh, immediately, I love it, I so enjoy my prayer. No, it's meant to be tough. You're meant to, it's meant to be a bit, bit grueling, a bit tricky, and it's meant to try and discipline yourself. Anything coming through, MJ, or has everyone left us now? Has everyone got bored and decided to vanish? Um, yeah, same, just apart from the greetings, Alaikum salam to those greetings. Alaikum salam, yep. Alaikum salam. Okay, no problem. Shall we crack on then? Yeah, please. Anything you want to add at this point? We're going to touch on the other question of your survey. Or is uh, yeah, should, yeah, yeah. Should we, should we jump out and have a quick look? Yeah. Let's have a quick look. Okay, so, um, okay, so this is an interesting one. The split between those who stopped praying completely, so those who did stop praying, those who stop praying completely versus those who stop praying partially. So the understanding was this was like, maybe you stopped, but you stopped doing some of your prayers versus no, mm. for a period of time, I completely just cut it out. Um, I'll give the statistic here because I don't think it's uh, as startling, right? But it's still interesting. So 38% off, uh, so as a total, right? 38% partially stopped their prayers and 16% completely stopped, mm. right? Now, the interesting that I found was that actually we then asked for how long did that phase last when you did stop praying? And we saw as much as 19% of people said it was more than a year. Mm. It feels like a really long time when you look back on it, right? Yeah. And does that assume that they're back praying? Inshallah. It assumes it, but inshallah. Mm. Inshallah. Mm-hmm. And maybe inshallah, that's why they're engaging with these shows, right? To to try and find that. Yeah. Uh, and again, we have to be we have to be careful. I don't think it's necessarily from what we're learning from Sheikh's words, it's not necessarily the spark, this like amazing, incredible moment. It's meant to be this gym training, right? It's meant to be this discipline. And I think when we when we change and when we recognize, yes, it will eventually generate this energy and this buoyancy of my spirit and et cetera, et cetera, eventually. At the start, I'm going to have to, it's going to be a bit grueling. It's going to be tough and we've all faced it, right? Um, And it's okay to admit it. I think that's the thing. It's okay to recognize that it is tricky sometimes. We all find it tricky. It's designed to be tricky. Otherwise, God wouldn't ask you to get up in the middle of your sleep, right? It is meant to be tricky. You're meant to, and I always find this beautiful. And this is, you know, a small reflection, inshallah, if God allows us, we'll be able to look at, a book by Sheikh Muhammad Khalfan, which is about the commentary behind Wavu itself. But I always, you know, I always think, why is it that we have to go through what I see as an inconvenience that is Wavu in the middle of our day in order to go and pray, right? I've got five minutes. Let me just do Vahar ASAP and then get back to my work, right? Mm. But we need to go to the bathroom and then 
doable comeback, etc. And it takes a bit of effort. And I just feel sometimes it, it forces, it really forces a stop in your day properly rather than just turning to pray and then coming back, um, which I do find uh, a bit interesting. But let's crack on because uh, we're... we're we do have a question. Soon. Go for it. A uh, question would be, what if we get the discipline in our lives? How can we manage to keep up that discipline? So, be it the general discipline or the discipline for prayer, just the, mm-hmm. how do we keep that up? Because I can connect with that question mm. very much. <laughs> I'm currently going through something similar, but it's for like, I don't know, working out and whatnot. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. every, every, every other day, definitely. But how do you manage to keep up that discipline? But obviously in this context, particularly with prayer. Disclaimers first, neither of us are scholars. And again, you just yeah. speak half of myself, but I'm usually not very quickly after that. Uh, neither of us are scholars, right? So I, I always try and refer back to the concept this that is yeah. the, the Sheikh has shared. So I go back to this concept of um, it's about Allah and the obedience of Allah. And it's about asking ourselves if I'm starting to lose that discipline. Practically, what does that mean? It means that Rahu time comes, Asr time comes, and in that window, I don't pray, right? So why are you not praying? What is the thing that is taking priority over obedience to your creator? And why do you think that that thing is greater than obedience to your creator? Is it that either you see so much benefit and value in the other thing that you are doing such that it is greater than your creator? And if so, is it because you then don't have enough understanding as to the greatness of your creator and why you were created in the first place by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So if I would just link that back, I think if you're struggling with the discipline, you need to go back to the why. And when you go back to the why, you then recognize I'm a creation and my creator has obligated this upon me. Why has he obligated it upon me? Because by going through this struggle, by going through this discipline, I will emerge with his blessings as a greater. And if that's your goal in life, this nearness to Allah, which is our goal in life, to manifest his traits and to be excellent to the best of our ability, then of course choose prayer first. And I think sometimes it's just going through that mental model and that logical flow. Why is it that I'm losing the discipline? And just leaves that bit of thinking. What do you think? Yeah, perfectly said. Just keep asking the questions and check in because a lot of the time we don't give ourselves that time to reflect and ask ourselves those questions. We're either on our phone and then doing the next thing and then yeah. on our phone, doing the next thing, and then doing something. We're always doing something. And when we're not doing something, we're thinking about doing something. Yeah. So we never give ourselves that time to reflect and just pause and just be like, why Why am I doing this? Or why am I not doing this? So just just, just that point, really. Yeah. So many business books. And I think there's one, a very famous one, Start With Why. Always yeah. go back to the why. And if the why feels uncomfortable, it's a recognition that we need to go seek more knowledge. And that's the beautiful path. The more we learn about Allah, the more we recognize his greatness. The more we recognize his greatness, the more we recognize that there's so much more to realize. And therefore we go back to learning. And the more we learn, the more we realize his greatness. And it just keeps on going. And at that point, I think you do kind of reach a threshold. And Shaitan will do his best to dislodge, for sure, right? But at some point, you'll reach reach a threshold where you're like, there's no way I can identify something greater in my life than my creator. So how could I ever prioritize that over him? It doesn't mean it will be easy. It doesn't mean it will be easy, but at least the mental model is there to go, I now need to make a decision. And I think that's the first step. Then you control your feelings thereafter. Um, Which I think leads us on very nicely to uh, the next part of this. So what kind of prayer is a good prayer? We've looked at how we look. We've looked at correcting how we look at prayer. Now we look at the necessity of paying attention to God's greatness, which is why I think that's quite a nice uh link so we start by reiterating something we've already mentioned which is that why do we focus on god's greatness when we pray we focus by saying what well, allahu akbar rather than ar-rahman ar-rahim the prayer is all about allahu akbar between all of our movements at the start of our prayer it's allahu akbar not 
Ar-Rahim, Ar-Rahman. We focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness. So why do we do that? Why do we focus on his greatness and not the kindness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And aren't hearts usually more attracted to the kindness as well, to the love, to the merciful? We're not usually attracted to the greatness of Allah when we initially think about it. And in Da'a Kumail, the sentiment of God's kindness is explored. Now, prayer talks about God's greatness and we bow and prostrate accordingly. Why? Because prayer wants to teach us something. So the whole time we're doing this discipline, 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 it's because prayer wants to teach us something. And it wants to teach us Allahu Akbar. God's greatness and his grandeur. If there's anything that we take away from prayer, it's by just going, Allahu Akbar, no matter what. Allahu Akbar. And that puts everything into perspective. Mm. Nothing again can trump Allahu Akbar. Nothing can trump Allah. And if we start to feel that way, it's because we're not recognizing or trying to understand the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we go through all of this energy to again realize God is greater than that. God is greater than that. You find you're in financial difficulties. God is greater than that. You find that you're eating an amazing meal. God is greater than that. You find that you're in the most, uh, you know, you're, you're with friends. God is greater than that. You find that you have family members dying in front of you. God is greater than that. God is greater than everything that you experience. And that is what prayer is trying to teach us. And again, it comes back to this military example. A commander doesn't come to their soldier and in order to get them to buy in. So imagine, you know, imagine you're watching a military film, right? And Muhammad Jawad is, for example, the, uh, the soldier and I'm his commander. Poor guy. That's going to be a tough time for you, right? <laughs> if I want Muhammad Jawad to obey me, as we said, as the commander does in the military, right? If I want Muhammad Jawad on one day to run towards the gunfire because that's going to protect the citizens that we're protecting, right? I'm not going to win his trust over. I'm not going to win his commandment over by buying him a car, buying him a house, saying that I'll cook dinner for him. My kindness is only going to get so far. And similarly, if we're expecting Allah to solve our problems before we start praying, we've got it the wrong way around. If we work this way, it prevents our heart from receiving and accepting the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first. We won't then listen to Allah's commandments in the critical moments. Because in that critical moment, Muhammad Jawa looked at me and we were like, yeah, I don't really fancy doing it. Or even, you know what, how about you buy me another car and then maybe I'll run towards that gunfire. No, 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 no. You went the wrong way around. Mm. Yet we looked at Allah and we're like, hey, Allah, before I start praying, how about you show me an extra zero in my bank account and you find me an amazing spouse and you make sure we have a child. Then on that condition, we can have a chat. Then I'll pray. And that's mm. the issue. When we start with God's kindness, it doesn't work. Not neglecting the kindness, of course, but pray is there to teach us Allahu Akbar. And very shortly after, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil we start with the greatness of God so that we don't double think in those critical moments where we have to make tough decisions. Because otherwise we'll question every step. We'll double think, oh, but, you know, maybe I don't need to fast all of those days. Or, oh, you know, maybe I don't need to give that charity. Or you, you, don't, get a, you don't get a choice. It's, God is greater. There's a command. You follow. Mm -hmm not conditional based on how you're feeling that they know God is greater. And this is, again, it comes back to this very uh, interesting trend that we see nowadays where it's like the kindness and the love and the kindness and the love and therefore I can dictate the terms. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way, right? The discipline through prayer helps in allowing the greatness and the grandeur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enter our hearts, mm -hmm. recognizing this greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. Does that resonate at all when, when we kind of put it that way? It does. And I think one of the comments has reflected that where he says, this is Razdi, uh, personal experience is that his prayers have evolved over my life from a basic ritual to an opportunity for dialogue with the Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this has taken many years. So 
it's it's nice to see it evolving into something more. And like he says, it's an ongoing evolution. I think when we hear from, uh, and I don't want to call Muhammad Raza uncle our elder, because I know he's as as fit as a fiddle and as wise as a young man, uh, as wise as a how can I say as wise as a, as wise as an elder and as fit as a young man. But when we hear someone like him saying, you know, over this period of time, he can see that difference. I think that's the journey we want to go on, right? Yeah. We we know it's it is genuinely a marathon. It is, mm-hmm. and I find this very interesting. One of one of our teachers shared this with us. He said, "Why is it that even salah when you're very ill, but if you're able?" even if you pray with your eyes or even if, if you just pray somehow, it's important that you do so. Prayer is always critical, always critical. Why is it so? And it's this discipline. It's this constant reminder. Hey, discipline, discipline, discipline. Um, so when we talk about this paying attention to God's greatness, right, this concept that we've now introduced, there's then a few factors that come into it. And the first one is that we need to understand, or by understanding God's greatness is a necessary condition to then obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need to recognize and understand his greatness in order to obey him correctly. Because if we don't understand his greatness, then we end up in a very dangerous position. So it starts with the question, why should God's greatness be engraved on our hearts? And then we start to realize that our prayer transforms into it all being about God's greatness and grandeur rather than it about being about myself, just for me, my own pleasure. That comes for sure. By obeying Allah, he'll reward you because you'll find benefits in doing so. And that is what will then come. We have to conclude at this point, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. We've only got 15 slides through. I mean, it's, it's we've, oh, we've wow. got some way to go. Yeah, yeah, we've got some way to go, so... Uh, maybe we're not going to finish chapter two for, for some time, but maybe next week we can speed up. Inshallah. But um, as ever, thank you, Muhammad Jawad, for, for your comp- accompanying us. Inshallah, next week we'll be back in the studio together. Uh, and for, yeah, inshallah. And for those who want the book, um, the source Amazon. of which they can order, Amazon. Okay. Amazon, Amazon. Not uh, sure you if can get, get that in Pakistan. Uh, in Pakistan, yes, not sure. But uh, if you... It's yeah, worth I'm an not email, sure right? Pakistan. It's worth an email. Um, but thank you, dear viewers, for joining us uh, yet again. Inshallah, this week you can try and take away this concept that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is great, as if we needed a reminder. But sometimes we do. He's greater than anything else that you're thinking to prioritize in your life. Remember, that is a creation of a creation of a creation of a creation of the creator. The creator is the greatest. The creator has given us this opportunity to develop this self-discipline, for us to journey towards him, for us to eat away at these layers that separates the light and the darkness of our hearts and this discipline that it creates will enable us to receive that light through recognizing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness and by deprioritizing everything else and submitting and saying Allahu Akbar in our prayers. Inshallah join us next week, session number four on Passionate Pages. Inshallah we'll see you then. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh.